Here it is, another week for Off the Shelf with Phil and Dave. I'm Phil. And this week, coming off of Dave's shelf, we have Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Dave, why this movie, and why now? Well, Phil, to be honest with you, it was uh, William Shatner's birthday in recent weeks, and I felt I had to get off Earth. You know, I need to take a break, and uh, I thought I'd take you take you out to space. Sure, from the past, you know, nineteen fifties New York to uh, the future. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, I thought I'd mix it, uh, mix it up a little bit. Uh, as I mentioned in previous episode, I don't like to do movies that are part of trilogies and things like that. But I, I, I guess, I, as I mentioned, I really think this one could be uh, a standalone. Well, you certainly don't like a movie at the beginning of a series. I, I'm, I'm getting that. <laughs> you like to just jump in <laughs> somewhere <laughs> in the middle, maybe near the end, and, and work out from there. Uh, well, you know what's that. funny about, about Star Trek as a, as a series is when I'm in the mood to watch them all, because I, I love, I like all of them, right, basically, mm-hmm. but I always, start at, I always start at two. I, I, yeah. I skip the first one. I don't think you're alone. I think we'll probably end up discussing, at least in partial uh, roundabout ways, uh, the, the, the series in general. Um, but I, I think uh, that's pretty common. In fact, if you had said, you know, we're going to do a Star Trek movie this week or, you know, at, at some point, I would have assumed Star Trek 2 would have been the, the, the one. So I was uh, pleasantly, <laughs> I want to say, pleasantly surprised uh, that 6 was, the, was your pick this week. Yeah. Well, also, I want to I ask, where can I get my hands on some Romulan ale, for one? And secondly... <laughs> Can I mix it with Geritol? Is that a <laughs> is, is that is that a bad idea? <laughs> what a cocktail that would be! Oh my goodness, that's uh, Gork yeah, and don't drive proof. a starship. Don't drive a starship <laughs> after having that and some Geritol. Absolutely uh, not. One thing I, I it's funny that you mentioned last week. You're like, okay, that's one of two. Star Trek movies you like, and I'm thinking, well, it's probably the second one because we went to watch Wrath of Khan, and oddly enough, when I looked into it, Nicholas Meyer directed two and six. Correct. Yeah, Nicholas Meyer is uh, a, a, a through line. Absolutely. So I thought that was interesting that you, you know, obviously like the ones he's directed, and uh, arguably those are the two best. I don't, you know, I I they are, they are. No I, think I think it's, I think it's universally accepted uh, that it's the, they're the best. I'm curious. I feel like I have a memory somewhere of Nicholas Meyer perhaps doing some writing on Star Trek Four, uh, oh, yes. which is sort of the the third uh, best. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. he is credited as a writer on Star Trek Four and. I think I remember reading that um, he refused because of the success of Star Trek Two. He was so enamored, or or, or uh, the Paramount and and the fans were so enamored of him that they asked him to come back for three, and he said, "Absolutely not! I won't uh, bring Spock back. I want nothing to do with bringing Spock back." Spock back. But once they brought him back. He said, "Yeah, I'm cool now. You know, now I can I can come back to the series, which I he's thought here was now. interesting. I mean, he's, he's here now, so I might I think, as well. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think he took a lot of pride in in how two ended and like the sort of way that he presented two. And, and again, it was such a hit that I think he felt like, well, I can't just do that. You know, I can't just go to Genesis. I have no, you know, I've, I've told my story, you know. Um, yeah. And then I think coming back for, for four was like, well, okay, well, like I'm not going to do that, but I have some ideas for, for something else. So I was really impressed. So yeah, it, when people talk about the sort of the, the even ones uh, being uh, the best or most entertaining or most interesting, uh, his name, uh, you have to, you know, you have to point to him for, for a lot of that, I would say. Yeah. I knew he did, did some writing in Star Trek in general, but I, I didn't know he did specifically work on four, but that, again, that makes sense to mm-hmm. four, six. And it's often referred to as every, as the even numbers of the good ones. And those are also the ones that he's worked on. Um, just to give those, Listeners who aren't necessarily Trekkies or you know or big fans um, of of science fiction, uh, this movie, um, uh, what happens here? You have the Federation, of course, which is Captain Kirk and all the Homo Sapiens only, as, it's, as they say, is one of the lines in the movies, but not in actuality, but it's a good line. But and then you have their nemesis, the Klingons, which are now facing. Uh, what do you call that? Um, extinction? extinction. I was like, what, what the dinosaurs? Yeah, that, that, whatever that happened. <laughs> that one. Yeah, yeah. That thing. Uh, so they have about 50 years uh, to, to live, and basically they can't afford to be at war. Here's an opportunity for peace. Kirk has his reservations, as of a few, of course. Uh, but he's, his ship is sent to uh, escort the Chancellor back to Earth for all the fun negotiations. Of course, um, members on both sides aren't uh, thrilled about the idea of it and conflict ensues. So uh, that's kind of uh, the setup for the film. And it's kind of funny. I want to want to mention here is, and again, this is mentioned basically in the Star Trek universe uh, that especially in next generation with Picard, how world war three came and after world war three, they got rid of world hunger. They got rid of greed, racism, all these things. Kind of, they fixed it. They went away. It turns out all they did was take it to space. Yeah, <laughs> they actually didn't sure. get rid of it. They just they moved it. <laughs> it. It's now in space because you have, basically have Captain Kirk, who is basically blaming a whole species because one of them killed his son. Yeah. So yeah, he, angry at the whole <laughs> the whole entire. 18 billion Klingons, <laughs> yeah. you know, played by Christopher Lloyd. No, it wasn't him. Not, not, not at his, no, no, but um, the death of his son, I meant. Oh, oh sorry. Yes, yes, yes. Was uh, not at the hands of, but by the order of Christopher yeah. uh, Floyd's, uh, Floyd, Lloyd uh, Klingon. So that's interesting. Uh, now, Christopher Plummer, uh, you've mentioned him. How do you feel mm-hmm. about him as I think he is the second best villain that Star Trek has had. Uh, I, you know, there's something about Ricardo Maltabon, of course, in Star Trek Two. Khan is uh, unique and he's got a swagger and a charisma. Uh, but I am absolutely riveted and mesmerized and enjoying everything that Christopher Plummer does in this movie. Uh, every line of dialogue he has, every gesture, uh, every movement. There's something about him. And in general, I like his work. Uh, it's not exclusive to this movie. But I just thought 
And and I thought that it, you know I saw this movie in the theaters. My brother was a big uh, uh, trekker or trekkie mm-hmm. uh, uh, growing up, and so this movie came out in I think ninety one. I would have been twelve. He would have been seventeen. And I remember going to the theater and just loving this movie. And I think I had seen two, for sure had seen two on video and probably had watched three, but didn't make an impact and then watched four and really thought that was hilarious. Uh, And then was, I don't know if I ever saw five and then seeing six in the theater. So 12 year old Phil, even then I remember just loving Christopher Plummer as Chang in this movie. I thought, just this guy's brilliant. I love him. And it actually kind of brought Christopher Plummer to me. And then from there, saw a few of his other uh, uh, movies as I was growing up. I agree. His performance was fantastic. But how do you feel about a bald Klingon? Now, you, uh, have, you have Worf with his flowing locks. You yes. know, almost feel like he could do a shampoo commercial. <laughs> and yep. you know like that fo- that Pittsburgh's theater football player um I can't remember his name but you have a lot of Klingons and they're pretty notorious for their long hair and yes here he is you know a bald Klingon well, he's got a little bit I, at the back there yeah he's got a little ponytail there you know again I I just I love his look I love that he's got these sort of drill bits of the eye patch you know there isn't a strap but they're rather like drilled into his his <laughs> socket uh <laughs> I, I think, like I said, from the moment he shows up on screen, uh, I love everything about it. I love the look. Uh, you know, Gorkin, who shows up on screen, and he's got sort of a, a nice trimmed beard and sort of the more traditional uh, Klingon look. And I think that looks fine, but I think what really sets Chang apart is that. You know, he's just got a completely unique look. Uh, and as a result, stands out in every scene, you know, uh, uh, easily distinguished, uh, you know, distinguishable and uh impressive I, I i love the look i love the bald look as you know i'm headed in that direction myself so i have to <laughs> uh, out of solidarity uh, <laughs> uh it's a default uh, appreciation of the bald guy absolutely you're absolutely right he kind of uh he definitely makes him stand out on top of his performance so it's kind of a double whammy uh this movie sure. did make me realize that i don't think michael dorn's a good klingon lawyer i don't think he's a good security guard either <laughs> and, uh, uh, I don't know. I pick on him. I don't know why. I just I, I've never really thought he was a great. I don't know if it's more of the character or actor. I don't. I don't want to be. You know, that guy. I just never was big on 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 Worf from Next Generation. That's Klingon. I uh, never. I mean, uh, again, Trek was on in the house, so so Next Gen was sort of playing around. I don't know that I had seen a ton of it. I knew it had already started at this point. I believe it was already on television by the time this movie came out. So there was a sort of yeah, eighty seven. Uh, yeah. Okay, so uh, for a few years, and so in my head, sort of watching Dorn uh, as this sort of wharf looking, you know, wharf like uh, character. I remember thinking like, oh, that's. Interesting, you know, but it made zero like real impression. And as a character, you're right. I mean, I don't really have many memories of, of, of the next generation, but uh, oh, geez. isn't it's on Netflix, it, on. Uh, isn't uh, something well, that like sticks with me. One thing I, I do like about uh, that, just talking briefly about next gen, is how this this was kind of the end of, of Kirk and, and the guys. This is their, their farewell movie, more or less. Certainly supposed to be, supposed to be. Supposed to be, and for a lot of the characters, it was as mm-hmm. they sign off at the end of the film. That was just nice. Um, 
it's kind of like laying out the future, right? Where you have this this momentous kind of, or this change in history where two enemies are seeking peace together. And then you fast forward into the 24th century, into next generation, and where you have, you know, Klingons in Starfleet. Certainly, yeah. Right? yeah. And Romulans, too, right? Like, it's sort of... Uh... No, think, no, there's no Romulans in Starfleet. No. Oh, I apologize. Now, you may have, walking through the living room at some point, you've walked through an episode where in a different world they were because there was a few episodes where the future of Next Generation was played out where a Romulan was or a Ferengi uh, was. Okay. Um, so it might have been you just walked in at, the, at a particular time in one of the episodes. But no, they were still not accepted. So, okay. unfortunately. Right. Well, we'll, get, we'll get there. That's right. Some level of racism still exists. Now, I want to ask you, that's just random. Did you notice, or do you know who I'm talking about when I say the name? Ta- Tom Morga. Tom Morga? Yeah. That's a name that rings a bell because of Friday the 13th, Part 5. And I'm pretty sure that's the name of the paramedic uh, that played Jason in a scene or so. But I, that, I may be wrong, but that's, that's what comes to mind. I noticed when I looked, I was just looking up some names, having some fun, and he came up in Halloween as Mike okay. Michael Myers. Oh, Anyways. yes, okay, that that is what makes yes. He was in Halloween uh, uh, four. Now that I look at him, but he was also in Friday the Thirteenth Part Five. Yeah. Well, you know, it looks like he's a bit of a stunt man more than an yes. actor. Yes. So you, I think he played the alien guy in which uh, Kirk hit him in the knee, aka. Um, scrotum, or I guess that's where that oh, okay. was Okay, yes, yes, yes. Interesting. I, I believe. Anyways, I'm pretty sure that's. Um, that's I, know, I just thought I had some fun with that. With that. Um, well, that's um, a great joke. I mean, I think that's a that's a hilarious uh, bit of uh, yeah. comedy. That scene. There, there's a lot. There's a couple. I think this is clever, pretty some clever writing in this one. I think, for example, uh, Captain Sulu. You know, I don't know how you feel about Sulu being captain. He wasn't in it much, but he had a couple, you know, good lines, you know, that I really, really enjoyed. Um, but how'd you feel about him as being a captain? I don't know. Uh, again, you're not as big of a fan of, as myself, but having Sulu part of the original cast or an original guys in the original series, and all of a sudden he's just a captain. And he's got well, his own think- ship. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, you sort of set up the scene, uh, 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 you know, the movie kind of opens with this, uh, it's almost like a redirect, you know, uh, or a misdirection, I should say, because you don't really meet the new, you know, the original cast, really, for a little while. Um, I loved it. I thought, you know, again, I, I think, you know, you mentioned this a little bit yesterday, last week, and I think that we probably will kind of be bouncing back and forth to that point. But, you know, uh, you know, if you don't know who Sulu is, then it makes no difference that he's the captain on a ship when he shows up. But it, the, the, the scene isn't played for that, right? Like it's not sort of set up as like mm-hmm. a wink, wink, nudge. However, if you're a fan of the series and you kind of know the character, it's like, oh my gosh, he's got his own ship, right? And then they kind of allude to it later. So uh, because I had seen the previous movies, uh, to whatever degree I was a fan, uh, you know, it was, it was nice to see, you know, a cast member. You know, I didn't necessarily, like my heart didn't fill with... Uh, you know, with some joy of like, oh, there he is, and he really succeeded, or any of that nature. But you know, it, it's it was nice to see him uh, in that role. Um, I think that his reflexes are pretty poor, considering uh, that teacup 
it went, uh, you know, uh, left alone for a little too long. Uh, <laughs> He's a little slow. Uh, yeah. It was one of the first things I noticed, thinking, like, just grab the damn teacup. What the hell? But yeah, you're right though. It does kind of work either way. Uh, you just notice that he's obviously, you know, he knows Captain. If you haven't watched the movie, you get the, you get the gist of it. But you don't have, would have had to watch the previous movies. What I do like is, you know, being a manager myself and being in a position where people get promoted is, <laughs> you see, these guys have been together for how long and no one's getting promoted. That's right. Uh, <laughs> and you have Kirk, Kirk who gets promoted. He's like, I don't even want to be promoted. He wants to yeah. go back to the captain. And I get, I like that whole story arc, actually. I really do. But it's, I mean, I guess Spock did get promoted. Sorry, he did. He went from commander to captain. That's true. But he never really was. But he, actually, in, there's parts of this movie where, where McCoy and Kirk are not on the ship, right? They're on in Canada yes. there, prison. Snowy <laughs> northern Canada. Yeah. Back to the snow. Yeah, I respected that. <laughs> Yeah, off the and shelf felt- goes back to the snow. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, and I like and there was points where where Spock was very captain like. Absolutely, you know, he's had the investigation of trying to figure out who done it. So I really I, I like those scenes where he was the lead. What Kirk was not on camera, and I thought he did it. it was, I enjoyed it. I really did. Yeah, I had my only issues with those in those scenes are, you know, they're required and they're necessary for story progression. And I'm sure to some extent they're there uh, for Shatner's uh, ego to a certain extent. Um, But to me, I just think uh, you're sending the captain into a dangerous situation. And I think if you if the captain dies, and they sort of do this in every episode, right? Locutus doesn't happen if Picard just stays on the damn ship, you know, to a certain extent. You know, you don't send him down like, hey, captain, hey, leader, you want to go down there and just check out this anomaly, this 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 fearsome, uh, destructive uh, ooze? You want to check that out for us? Uh, but we'll keep the third officer on deck just in case things get ugly. You know, it just seems like it's a uh, <laughs> Uh, it's not that smart, you know. Uh, no, but it's funny you mention that because in the original series with 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 Kirk and Spock, Kirk always went down. Yeah, he was always on it. And now when you get into Next Generation, you kind of Picard doesn't. He does sometimes, but they do make a point of saying he's not supposed to. Yes, and I I, I find it interesting to see that shift. It's like, oh yeah, you know what? I think they kind of caught on. It's like, yeah, I guess he really shouldn't be going down. He's the captain of the ship. Uh, but again, I guess it also plays to, again, a little bit of a Shatner's ego, maybe. Apparently he has a bit of one, but I mean, I, I love his on-screen presence. Oh, uh, I think it's sort of suitable for the movie, absolutely. And I think that, to your point, by the sixth movie, and, you know, Nimoy as as Spock, you know, can can be that, right? Like, can be the captain, in, you know, in, 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 in lieu. You know, like, I think that there's a gravitas, as it were, that could do it. Uh, it just struck me as funny to me that that like uh, once again you're sending the the leader of the entire thing down <laughs> into danger, uh, you know, with nothing but his wits. You know, I think that's uh, it was a little funny. And the and the ship's medic. You know, now granted, you know the circumstances around Gorkin. You know, maybe you had to do the medic part, uh, but surely there's somebody more appropriate to get down there. Yeah, I, I I see where you're coming from. I think it 
I think it was part of the how that they wanted to show how you have Kirk who is is obviously upset with or has a problem with the Klingons because of the death of his son, and I think it plays to he wants there's part of him that wants to do it right. He wants to give this a chance. And I think that's what this is about. It's like, I'm taking responsibility. I didn't do it, mm-hmm. but somebody did. And this is my ship and I sure. have to fix this. I'll know, be the face of it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I get yeah. that. I think it has more sort of, I think it belongs more in this movie than maybe some other ones, but it struck me as funny. Uh, nonetheless. Yes. Oh, I, I agree. I think it was fine in this movie, but in the original series, looking back on it, it made no sense. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> Half the episodes have them uh, down there. Um, yeah. Speaking of Kirk, um, um, not Kirk, really. Do you have, what are you kind of your, your favorite, well, like, what scenes kind of stood out to you, would you say? Was there a couple, like the, the movie goes by, it's not a terribly long movie. It's just over two hours, I believe, two hours and nine minutes. Or no, was that the time? No, the I, th- I, th- uh, I think it's like uh, 148, 149. Yeah. Started, we, we started watching The Terminal last night. And I remember the time coming up on the screen. It was 2.09. Oh, God. Yeah, that yeah, movie is interminable. <laughs> I haven't watched it all. I fell asleep. That's oh, okay. not because of the movie. It was, it was okay, but I'm going to watch the rest of it later. Uh, right. Don't spoil it for me. But yeah, this was not a long movie, and it, it flowed pretty well. And um, But I think that for me, a couple of scenes that stood out were typically with Christopher Plummer and, and, and William Shatner. But is there anything that you want to uh, share that – like your favorite scene. Uh, well, I have to tell you, you know, uh, to your point, this movie is paced, I would say, impeccably. Uh, I thought the only times where I thought the movie kind of potentially kind of had a little bit of a drag or a snag uh, was the stuff on the prison uh, planet uh, that I found <laughs> uh, dragging just slightly, though. You know, it's the only time I really kind of noticed the time, let's say. Uh, but mm-hmm. the rest of the movie, I thought, flowed really well. I thought the movie uh, kind of hit its uh, pivoted when it needed to, which is to say that the movie went from this sort of uh, political intrigue, you know, as it were, uh, with the uh, the dinner scene and and the sort of uh, jockeying for position and and that bit of business uh, into, uh, like you said, the whodunit. Portion, you know, I thought that was like, oh, that's interesting. Kind of turned it into a bit of a uh, mystery, you know, a murder mystery almost. Um, and then the scene in the prison had its own sort of separate uh, propulsion, as it were. And then all racing to the climax of the uh, at the uh, assembly, you know, at the uh, conference. So I, I thought that this movie really put together. So in terms of scenes, I mean, the obvious ones, uh, I love. Uh, the opening scene, or well, I guess maybe not the opening scene, but the introduction scene of the of the of the crew uh, at the sort of oh. presentation that Spock uh, conference table, kind of in, yeah, like enlists them to this sort of peace mission. And <laughs> one of our favorite lines comes from that. It's absolutely one of my favorite lines, delivered uh, uh, brilliantly, and you know, uh, it's everything about that scene is great. You know, you can see the allusions certainly, particularly in 1991 to the Berlin Wall and the, the Soviet Union, the, 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 the uh, mm-hmm. dissolution of, of, the, of the Soviet Union uh, and its relationship to the West. Uh, it's in there in that, you know, commentary, right? And it's, it's not, mm-hmm. it's overt without being uh, pedantic, you know, like it's, it's clear without being too uh, on the nose. 
And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Shatner delivering those great lines uh, of let them die and don't trust them. And, and I don't, you know, I, I, you, how did you volunteer? Like, you know, you don't understand, you know, they're animals. Right. Mm -hmm. And even Hartwright. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and what's interesting about that is delivering this role, this line, you know, this sort of black, you know, person of color, uh, uh, actor talking about their animals, you know, and they don't, they don't, they don't deserve, uh, uh, life, you know, and these kinds of things. Trash. And there's this sort of, sorry. I think he called them trash. Trash, right? Like there's this sort of feeling of, you know, in our history, in our lifetime, you know, that those are things that would have been attributed to. And, and frankly are still attributed to people of color, right? So there's a sort of an interesting kind of uh, uh, corollary there that I thought was pretty powerful. So I, I love that scene because of what it sort of sets up uh, both in a real life context around the cold war and also uh, uh, what, are, what the ramifications are for Kirk and, and the, and the sort of recognition that, that, uh, you know, he doesn't want this to succeed at his core. And I thought that's an interesting character. And, you know, Shatner, who's, you know, frankly, not like my favorite actor by any stretch, uh, I thought delivered those lines uh, with conviction, you know, and, 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 and believable and, and, and a really great performance. So right off the top, that is, is a scene that sticks out uh, and we can go on to more. But uh, what, have, what, are, what have you got? Yeah, that's definitely one of my favorite scenes. And just before I get to the next scene, I do it. I like where there um, Kirk is kind of having his personal logs and he's also yes. talking about things along those lines uh, of how he really feels. And I think it's just mm -hmm. funny. And <laughs> this is 1991. I just think it's funny today is that you got to be really careful what you say. Um, oh, certainly. Somebody, he's got it on social media as it were. And then, <laughs> that's and right, then you they don't... play it and then they use it against them. I just that's thought right. I was yeah. like, that's funny. <laughs> It's just yeah. today's what goes on today with Twitter and uh, Instagram, and the news, and the you never know who's media. listening. So not only like the leaks or the hacks, you know, like you never know who's listening, and and uh, yeah, everything so, can kind of bite you in the ass for sure. So that was quite funny watching it now. Um, I would say, and I think you're probably going to agree with this one, is the dinner table scene Absolutely. with um, them having dinner. At, Kirk inviting them on board the Enterprise to have dinner. They break out the Romulan ale. Oh, it's illegal. They shouldn't have it. That's kind of funny. Um, uh, and I just think the, the lines where they're quoting Shakespeare and somehow Shakespeare originated on in Klingon was, was originally done. There's about four references in this movie, if you'll notice, about history or, or poetry or um, English literature. Uh, yeah. Cinderella. Uh, Chekhov refers to the Russian Cinderella. Yeah, uh, you have the uh, Klingon that did Shakespeare. I found this on the web for oh, I said Siri. Um, <laughs> uh, but there's a couple other ones too. I just thought it was funny. Everyone wants to take credit for for something like, oh no, we came up with that first. I think uh, that that is, is a product of Nicholas Meyer, who's a who's a, a pretty uh, astute uh, author, you know, writer. Uh, and, and big into that. But yeah, I mean, things like there's constant Shakespeare references throughout, uh, you know, stuff from uh, Hamlet, you know, to be or not to be, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and you've not read, you know, to your point, you have not read you know, Shakespeare until you've heard it in its uh, original Klingon, which is just a great line for sure. <laughs> uh, Chang later, you know, cry havoc and let's slip the dogs of war. That's from uh, yeah. Julius Caesar. Um, 
guess who's coming to dinner, which is uh, what Chekhov reads. You know, that's not literature, but that's a movie uh, yeah. about, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Sidney Poitier is a black man yeah. coming to a right. white family. And forget about that one. Uh, so there's there's a lot of these allusions to to pop culture. Earth Hitler, you know, we need breathing room. That's you know, Earth right. Hitler, 1938, uh, is a is a great, great line, and another like allusion to. Uh, so what I think is interesting is just sort of like this 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 parallel uh, between uh, history that we understand uh, in the context of a future that is new, right? Like so, uh, taking these reference points from modern uh uh earth you know and placing them on the context of the of 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 the world the globe the universe as it were uh the galaxy i think uh has a grounding you know when you're looking at aliens talk around a dinner table right like there's a way that you look and go like well what the hell am i watching right like this is silly you know or, or you know visually maybe uh if you're not a trek fan or you're just sort of walking in but i think by by having not only is just hilarious like really witty clever dialogue there's also this feeling of uh, uh, grounding, you know, familiar uh, territory, even though you're watching some fantasy movie out in space. And I think that that's really great. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Nicholas Meyer did the same in, in, in Star Trek Two a little bit with a lot of the Moby Dick stuff and, and, and you know, and, and, uh, and uh, growing yes, old, that's true. you know, so uh, yeah, I think it's that just his sense. particular spin on the, the, uh, Star Trek, and I think it's brilliant. I think it works really well. And as a result, that scene is just not only again really funny, uh, clever, uh, and entertaining as hell, you know, and and just flows by, flies by without even really noticing that you're like, oh, that was a 15 minute scene, and it was great. It sets up the pieces. You think you're having a good time. The tension you can feel, you know, each performance. Uh, Shatner kind of humorously kind of inviting them aboard, you know, with just like, hey, you want to come you know, whatever, you know, and, and, you know, like nobody wants to participate, you know, they're all kind of, they're both being kind of forced into it. Uh, but you can sort of see this sort of foundation of like, you know, we're all just uh, like, like Kirk says later, everybody's human, uh, you know, and, and Spock jokes that like, it's, it's, uh, that's an insult to him, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is a great line. Uh, but I think, like, in general, and obviously, you know, in this world, not everybody is human. That's also, like, a power structure. But the principle is we're all the same, right? Like, so, again, comes down to some race uh, overtones that says, you know, Klingon or Romulan or Vulcan, you know, uh, we're all human uh, is, I think, the general term. So, you know, whether you're, uh, you know, a person of mm-hmm. color or you're what have you. I think, so, the, again, the, the themes are there, you know, and I think it makes for a really entertaining uh, movie. And that scene in particular, like, delivers Absolutely. And one thing I do like about that scene as well, even though everyone's uncomfortable uh, about it, each member, I think even on both sides, all made an effort. You know, you have uh, McCoy who says, here's to the future. Here's to, oh, here's to Chancellor Gorkin, uh, yeah. you know. and sure. then here's the undiscovered country. Yeah, you're, and Uhura trying to say, hey, do you like Shakespeare? And she kind of stopped. Because, but anyways, and then you have, <laughs> I think Scotty had said something, uh, I believe. I don't know. But I think I just felt like everybody kind of, you know, even though there was clearly some resentment or it was un- uncomfortable awkwardness, they all made that effort, um, you know, at, at yeah, peace in a, in, a, in a sort of way. So I thought that was, yeah, I think it's a very strong scene. As you said, I don't, I don't think it's 15 minutes long, is it? Because it goes by pretty fast. 
Uh, it may not be. I just, it, it's certainly just a, a scene that, that flows brilliantly well, you know? Uh, I think it's, it's a powerful, great, entertaining scene. Uh, one thing I do want to talk about, though, is uh, Spock and Vulcan women. Now, there's a scene, and this is not one of my favorite scenes, but I do I want to share it because it was a, a scene that, that really got a lot of, or maybe it was just me, uh, a lot of uh, attention when he mind-melded with Valeris. Okay. And she starts to kind of scream a little bit or gets a little vocal. And it was all over sure. the media that, that that was two Vulcans having sex. Mm-hmm. And then he was basically, you know, I don't like to say this word, raping her okay. in a mind way. And that kind of circulated. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard that going around. No. I did multiple times. Um, I just, and I, I was thinking later, I was like, okay, well, I don't think that's what it is. It's just he was going in the mind and she didn't want him there because he needed to get information. I guess that is kind of, uh, you know, for, a form of, of rape, I guess, if she doesn't want him inside her mind and he's forcibly doing it. I guess that's yeah. a question. I mean, I, if uh, yeah, for sure. I think, doesn't he do that? Uh, I don't mean to cut off your point, but uh, does he not do that to McCoy or somebody in two? He does this it to McCoy. Thing. He doesn't mind but differently because he's not taking out of McCoy. He's putting in. Ah, uh, remember. Um, right? That's, yes. Uh, he's putting in his conscious, basically his consciousness to keep him alive in a, in a way. Yeah, okay. So okay. I, that's more of a, I'm just giving this to you. I'm not trying to get something from you. Okay. Uh, so I, a little bit less thrown yeah. upon. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, I just, yeah. So this is interesting. It's a powerful scene. Uh, but also, if you recall Star Trek Three, <laughs> Spock and Savick having a moment. So I don't know. It's just Spock has these interesting moments with Vul- with Vulcan women. He was going through um, when he was uh, basically growing up again in Star Trek Three. Yes, so yes, that's right. He goes through upon far, I think it's called. And he has to basically has to mate, from what yeah. I gather, and they do it with the fingers. And Savic does it with him, whatever. Uh-huh. So it's something special there. So I'm just, just thought it was afterwards. Is it just Spock and, and Vulcan women? I don't know. It's just an interesting relationship he has. Now this is obviously a much different one. Where Valeris, who, uh, without spoiling it, well, I will spoil it, is obviously a bit of a, a villain, as it were. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, 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 yeah. And he was kind of his, I want to say, um, uh, what do you call that? Under, um, what do you call that? Protégé. Protégé. That's the word I'm looking for. I was kept thinking of an episode of Seinfeld with Bette Midler, and yeah, she had a protégé. That's right. Uh, protégé. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so I thought that was an interesting relationship. Now, let me ask you this. You've watched the movie a couple of times, right? Definitely. Yep. Now, when I watched it the first time, I had no idea Valeris was was on the other side, that she was part of the uh, assassination and uh-huh. working against this to not make peace happen. Now, every time I've watched it since, I find it quite obvious. Yeah. I don't know why I yeah. didn't notice it the first time, but after the first time, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's obvious. Just when she's well, got, hey, you guys have work to do, you know, get to work. I'm like, well, you're not really a commanding officer. That's right. I think uh, 
you probably saw this movie. I mean, I assume anyway, uh, around the same time that I did, in which case you may have been like 13 years old, in which case, uh, you know, maybe you're just not that smart at 13. Just for <laughs> that's, that's possible. Right. Like, I don't know that at 12, I'm thinking like, oh, yeah, this chick's the mastermind. Watch, you know, like, I think I'd probably just went along with it and, you know, may not have been like hugely like knocked off my feet. Like, oh, my gosh, I could have never predicted. Uh, but also not so astute <laughs> that within, you know, 10 minutes or so, you're like, oh, yeah, no, that's the one. You know, she did that. Uh, I will say well, and I, I want to spend just a few minutes talking about it because uh, I think it's worth mentioning. I think she in this movie is terrible. Uh, I think everything that oh. Cottrell does, and I'm gonna I'm gonna come out and say, it, I think <laughs> everything she does in this movie is terrible. I, I hate the performance. I dislike mm -hmm. the character, and I, I find no uh, uh, joy in any moment she's on screen. She, I would agree with she's definitely the weakest link. And just to quickly go back to the point you said when we watched it when we were 13 maybe that's why i thought they were having mind meld sex because i was 13 and horny that could have been it too um but that's a very good point uh she it was the weakest character and she kind of felt out of i don't know it just kind of out of i don't know out of place i don't know if that's quite what well i, mean, I think she's out of place i think she's out of her depth i think that she's just not up to the task of the job i think that she as a vulcan is trying to play there are scenes where and this is you know maybe just me nitpicking a little bit but even back then you know at 12 13 years old thinking this woman is supposed to be a vulcan and is performing every line of dialogue seemingly with a hint of smug uh, attitude and I think you know uh, Spock is all about logic and like normal behavior and Spock is a half human half Vulcan as I recall in which case he's allowed to maybe deviate yeah. but she is you a full have, have a one off yeah <laughs> she's a full Vulcan right theoretically yeah, in which case there should be zero room for this kind of jokey uh, tone and I think Mug, the way that like, her yeah. her intonations I find just irritating. I just think as a character she's so uh, like the, 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 the sad thing is that she's important to the plot so she has to be there but every choice that she's making as an actress I think is terrible. I think every delivery I've always wanted to do that sir uh, is it, so trite <laughs> and like boring and lame and uh the inflections it's just like everything she does on screen i think is terrible and takes me out of the movie even uh 25 you know uh years later 30 years later yeah i i definitely don't disagree i think you know i thinking about it now if they had maybe changed the script around the writing around where she ended up being a romulan that would make some sense they've done that they played that out before because sure. of the they look, you know, very similar, and they're actually cousins, like the races. So that yeah. could have worked better. And, and you're right. And we look back at Star Trek Three, and and who played Savick there? Um, forget her name. She was an episode of MacGyver. Uh, she did play the role how a Vulcan, almost to uh, almost to a T, where it was like, oh my god, you're too Vulcan. Sure, Savick from Star Trek Three. You're too like you're very Vulcan. Uh, yeah. And then you had Kirstie Alley. Kirstie Alley played the same character, different actors, same character in Star Trek too. But yeah, right, I, read, I, think I remember it. reading. I remember reading something back then that that it was supposed to be Savick in this movie, like that she was going to basically stay, uh, you know, in the in the game or in the movie. But 
when they cast Cottrell, apparently they said, you know, she was like, well, I don't want to play this. I don't want to be the third person to play this character. Just name me something else. I don't uh, think that would have worked either. Having Savick in Star Trek three, I just can't see that person. They just, it wasn't in their, would have been in their character to kind of change and, and kind of go against the piece. Sure. Uh, attempt. I don't think, but yeah. you're right. Entirely think- possible. But I thought she was terrible. And every time I watch this movie, I'm reminded just how terrible she is and, and, and how much it, again, takes me out of the movie. Now, not enough to ruin the movie, you know, certainly. There's still ma- many elements about this movie that I really enjoy, and we continue talking about them. But I had to spend some time on uh, that particular role and that particular performance is, to me, just abysmal. I, I can't find a good thing to say about it on any level. You know, it, a performance like that can take a movie that, that you would normally say, oh, this is a nine, and bring it down to like a, a seven or seven and a half. Yeah, I you think if I mean? she was on screen anymore, yeah. you know, uh, you know, as much as I was saying it drags yeah. when they're on the planet, uh, on the ice planet, that was a break from her, you know. So, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I was, I was pleasant, you know, and enough of the Klingon stuff gets me away from her too, right? And obviously, the the, the main cast is the focal. So again, like she's she's spaced out enough that it doesn't ruin the movie, but every scene she's in is less because she's in it, in my view. You know who is in it, Phil? There is a the Klingon commander of of that planet, that prison planet. Mm-hmm. William Morgan Shepard. Okay. Was was in an episode of Frasier, MacGyver, and TNG. Wow, the trifecta! You got the trifecta, and there's a he few got other the ones. Trifecta. There was John Shuck, who was the. Uh, he's also in Star Trek Four as well. He's basically the lawyer, not the not the lawyer, but the prosecutor guy who keeps saying Kirk is guilty and they gotta uh, charge him. That character, forget his name, but he was also in Project Elf. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. And I said to myself, I just looked at him like you were in MacGyver. I don't know who, I don't know what episode. I just know you were in MacGyver, and I looked it up, and he was. Uh, so wow. I just thought there's a lot of characters like that. I think you noticed Kurtwood Smith, of course. Absolutely, one of my favorites from RoboCop. Um, Grace Lee Whitney, who not many people would know unless they watched the original series because she was on the original series as a yeoman. Okay. She was the blonde. So she was in some yeah. scenes they in the original series. Of, but she- they kept showing her, so I think that she obviously has a, has a particular role. Uh, like, you know, that, that, that she's on screen. For someone that is not part of the main cast, they kind of cut to her pretty good. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure you're going to mention it, but uh, what the hell was Christian Slater doing in this movie? I heard a rumor. Again, there's a lot of rumors around when it, when it, a few, few scenes that we've already talked about. Another one was he was uh, William Shatner's nephew. They were they were related. Uh, I heard that rumor. Um, I heard he just wanted to be in it. I think it's probably because he had done he would have done Prince of Tides. Uh, a couple of Prince of Thieves, sorry, uh, a couple of years, maybe a year prior, or maybe even that same year. So I think more than anything, it was probably just like, "Hey, I'm a big star, and I love Star Trek. Can you do you have something for me?" You know, he was yeah. in Mobsters, he was in Pub of the Volume around this time, so it was probably a little bit of uh, that. Uh, I, you know, Shatner's Canadian, and, and Christian Slater is not. So I mean, it may be cousins or nephews, but not likely that yeah. that's the case. And I remember reading about Star Trek Four. That Eddie Murphy uh, yes. is just a monster Star Trek fan and basically just told Paramount, 
I will do anything you want. Just put me in a Star Wars, a Star Trek movie. So, and he ended up not doing Star Trek four and they kind of brought the woman instead and it became a, a different movie altogether. But it might've just been I something as simple as, Hey, I'm Christian Slater. I want to be in this movie. And they go, well, shit, Christian Slater is an actor, you know, like someone of a name. Let's put him in there. Uncredited, like kind of, you know, put him in the movie briefly. So I was, uh, it was nice to see him and I'm constantly kind of, I forget that he's in it, you know, because I watch this movie so infrequently that when he pops up, I'm like, Oh shit, that's right. Christian Slater's in this movie. He's integral in the plot. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was funny. I think Eddie Murphy, I think that could have worked. I think I it absolutely could have worked. I just, I, but I think the issue there was two, you have two strong personalities. I just don't think the ego, there wasn't enough space for both egos. Oh, yeah. And Shiner wants sure. a love interest, right? And I mean, the movie wants a love interest. And yeah. If it's, if it's Eddie and, and if it becomes like a buddy cop movie with uh, Eddie and Shatner, uh, you know, the rest of the cast, Nimoy, who has his own ego and he directed part four, that there is a certain level of like, you know, maybe there's some push pull there. Uh, I'm not sure why it didn't happen, but I, I think it would have been absolutely hilarious, uh, even more funny than it, than it was. Uh, I think I think that's what these strong egos. I think this is one of the the bad sides of having all these strong egos is you really you lose something like there's some good masterpieces that we don't get to see yeah because because of ego i think that's just uh that's too bad because we're missing we're missing out and they're missing i mean they don't realize okay well you know the success of it and you know (laughs) i mean i guess i would just go right to the ego anyway but i mean it's just it's just some really some gems we uh, really would have missed or have missed because of uh, egos and yep. um creative I mean, I love well, you know yeah and i get it I just, you know i get it i just uh, <laughs> i would just love to sure. see eddie and him that would just uh, something special well when this podcast uh, ends it'll likely for be for that reason it'll be creative differences and <laughs> that's right <laughs> bound to happen um, he goes look at out of control you know yeah i do thinking again <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but speaking of, I just want to talk about one more scene that I think we both really like. I think the towards the end, uh, the battle in the, in the in the space between the the bird of prey and the Enterprise and Spock's realization of gas. It's just his gas. I want to actually before we dig too much on that, I want to go back just a couple of of, of scenes. I'd sure. like to touch a little bit on the sort of courtroom scene. Uh, yes, yes, good, yes, so, absolutely. So, in putting that together, so, so you know, uh, Kirk is sort of effectively arrested for the murder of Gorkin, uh, and they put him on trial. And it's obviously a bit of a kangaroo court, as they would say, you know, it's, it's obviously not uh, fair, let's say. Uh, but I thought that's another scene that uh, is, is compelling and is interesting, and certainly, uh, again, a chance for Christopher Plummer to kind of shine. You know, and they use some sort of Watergate uh, uh, reference with the sort of don't wait for the translation. Answer me now. or uh, It's not Watergate, but, uh, you know, but this sort of uh, yeah. pressure and, the, and escalation of, of tensions uh, around it. And, and uh, Kirk has no, you know, recourse but to surrender, you know, and like, you know, those scenes are all really, um, uh, again, if you're I think if you're a fan of the series and you watch it, you know, the idea of Kirk surrendering. Right. And then the whole cast kind of looks to him and he's we surrender like just. We, we've got nothing, you know, we can't mess up this piece if this is what it takes. And I thought that was a pretty great scene. And then the trial, what mm-hmm. I, the one thing that stuck out about the trial to me though, is, is <laughs> they're watching the trial on the, on the enterprise. <laughs> like it's like uh, being broadcast 
uh, yeah. on court TV or something. <laughs> I did pick up on that for like not probably not the very first time I watched it, but with yeah. with twenty twenty one eyes, yeah, just like the social media stuff we we're talking about earlier about Kirk uh, saying shit he should not post on yes. this person. It's just it's like it's hilarious. Where's the camera? Who's <laughs> <laughs> Whose camera work is is happening on court TV here on uh, on the Klingon station? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's some uh, <laughs> it's some Channel Thirteen on the you know on the UHF station on blah blah blah. <laughs> and they're watching it back on Earth. Yeah, exactly. Well. Like they're just they're just hanging out. Like, oh wow, this is what what's what what what's happening here? Anyway, I thought yeah. that was a both a good scene. <laughs> but also kind of ridiculous in the context of pl- moving plot forward. You know, that just made me chuckle. Yeah. Uh, what I like about the beginning of that scene is how he, Christopher Plummer uh, starts is speaking Klingon yes. to Kirk. And then how they transition it to him stop talk, talking English, but he's actually not talking English. They're using the translators. Yeah. And I thought that was really clever. And I probably didn't pick it up when I was 13. Mm-hmm. But because they want the Christopher Plummer can just deliver these lines yes. wonderfully, but realistically he's going to be doing it in Klingon. Yes, realistically, uh, yeah. and that's what they're doing. But and they, I think they do a fantastic job of saying, "Well, he's actually talking Klingon." You mm-hmm. see him in English, but then you see them using the translator and getting the translation. I think it's genius. I think it's a great, quick way to tell that story or to sort of transition. And they use it later. Uh, uh, Brian Singer used it in Valkyrie. If you remember the beginning of Valkyrie, because they they cast a bunch of English actors slash American actors to do this German movie, uh, yeah. uh, you oh, know, in Germany, and it sort of starts with with Cruz sort of speaking German while journaling, I believe, if I recall, mm-hmm. and then it just transitions into English, just sort of through the writings and through the what have you. And so there's this feeling of like, well, you know, you're sort of starting and setting a baseline, and then you're moving into English because it's just easier. You're not going to watch a subtitled movie and you don't want too much of this and that. So much like this movie, it's subtle uh, but, but, and, and specific, uh, but I think really effective. So uh, I was really impressed by it. And one last thing about that scene, and I've, this is probably one of my favorite characters, and I'm going to ask you one quick question after this, is uh, Dr. McCoy. Like, uh, sure. His sing- singular wit. Like his... <laughs> How are you feeling? Ah, other than the touch of arthritis, I'm doing pretty good. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's just he—he's always. I love. I've always loved his character. He's probably my favorite character of the bunch because I love his sense of humor. Yeah, uh, I love his his his, his, his arguments with with Spock. But I thought that was it was funny. But I want to ask you this. I know we don't have much time left, but I, I want to did want to ask you who you thought because this whole this whole gang got recast. As we know, Christopher Pine. Is there one, and you can just pick one that you felt really stood out? Said you recasted that role perfectly. Uh, no, uh, and in part because I don't think that they did, and secondarily, <laughs> uh, I don't. I did not watch uh, those movies uh, any more than once, and I and I I basically just don't remember any of it, uh, any oh, of the wow. cast. The movie made zero impression on me. Uh, uh, and I wasn't saying I was really excited about it, but it was like not something I went in thinking I would hate. Do you know? Because I'd been a fan enough of, of the Star Trek movies over the years. Uh, mm-hmm. Thanks in large part to my brother sort of for introducing and so forth. And has been in the zeitgeist, you know, between gener- Next Gen and, and the movies. And, you know, it's sort of been in the, in the culture for such a long time. 
that I didn't go in hating or expecting to hate or dismissive of um, the newest, uh, the reboot, as it were. Uh, but I don't remember anything about it. Uh, other than, you know, Lucky so you. I, yeah, so I couldn't tell you. Uh, uh, I never saw the third one. I think the second one I kind of fell asleep during. Like, you know, it just didn't make any impression on yeah. me whatsoever. And so I can't answer the question with any real authority. Okay, I'll answer for you. It was McCoy. Um, <laughs> no, he sure, played, I, um, I buy that. What was his name? I never remember his name. He he played um, Urban Keith Urban. Somebody yes. Urban. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he did well. But I agree with you. I I, I I kind of enjoyed the first re re rebooted movie. There's certain mm-hmm. parts that I liked, but then again, I don't like the the what they did with the timeline. I don't like that at all. And I yeah. hate the fact that brought Khan back in the second one. So you did not miss anything. Consider yourself lucky. Yeah, uh, yeah. They could have done something completely fresh. But they just did what Star Wars does. They just copy the same shit uh, and put their own crap on it, and they ruin it. Anyway, so I don't want to get into that because it's boiling my blood. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, yeah. So, like I said, made zero impression on me. Um, This movie, however, has stuck uh, again over all these years. Now, thinking about it, it's thirty years ago uh, that this Mm -hmm. movie came out. Uh, Well, just under, I suppose, uh, December ninety-one. Aged well, didn't it? I think it has, you know, I think uh, we probably, again, my brother and I probably saw it uh, in Florida, you know, uh, perhaps with my parents, but certainly uh, he and I, for sure, uh, we, there was a movie theater across the street um, from uh, where we were staying. So I, I think it's just been a part of my life on one level or another for a long time. And, and, and when I went back to revisit it, uh, I was reminded just to say, again, like, this is a good movie. And I think to your point, if, if it was your... Uh, thesis to say that it stands on its own, I think that you're probably uh, right. Uh, I think you don't have to have seen uh, other Star Trek movies to sort of get uh, this one Mm -hmm. or to appreciate where it's coming from or what it is. And I think, again, setting, and and I think science fiction in general, uh, and I'm not a a space head by any stretch of the imagination, but I think you, you have a benefit of grounding these stories in reality. I think Star Trek has been really good at that over the years. But again, you're telling a Cold War story, uh, uh, a very kind of current uh, Cold War story, but set in space and the stars and explosions. And and I think that there's room uh, to go in as a layperson, you know, not a Star Trek fan and maybe not even a, a space fan and still catch the illusions, catch the literary references and enjoy it for the performances and what it is. Well said, Phil. And then one more line I think we missed was only Nixon could go to China. Was another uh, yeah, absolutely. From the conference room, I believe. Yeah, uh, and it's again. I mean, that's a, again a reference in '91, probably a little more prescient uh, uh, or current. You know, again from 20 years earlier in '72 with Nixon. But uh, there is that feeling of, of of you know, it takes a certain type of person and temperament uh, uh, to do these things. Um, I think it's uh, it's clever. It's really uh, a smartly made movie, and uh, two idiots can talk for an hour about it uh, is a pretty good sign. <laughs> <laughs> as you said i mean if, if you're not a fan you can and, and again if you it's the good there's good guys it's clear these are the good guys you are the bad guys they're, and they have to you know they're trying to make peace and they it's obviously so it's, it's an easy story not easy story but it's a story that can be told on its own without having too much of a backstory 
So I yeah, think, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's a movie that's probably made better if you know that the characters and you sort of have some history. I think there's a, a, a feeling, and, and, and I'll reference this just at the very end, uh, but I think there's, a, there's a, a benefit, let's say, to, to having that uh, connective tissue to 30 years of a, of a, of a series uh, when you do watch it. Uh, but I don't think it's necessary. And even I, who, again, was never like a huge fan, uh, a fan enough growing up, but, but not a huge fan, uh, uh, was tickled by it, you know, and I think was, was sort of, you know, connected to it. And one last little bit, uh, uh, the last uh, literary reference uh, uh, in the movie is uh, the Peter Pan reference, which I think is, is, is attributable certainly to that cast and, and the sort of, you know, the longevity of that series uh, when Uhura is looking for uh, uh, direction or Sulu, sorry, uh, Chekhov, looking for direction. And he says, you know, second star to the right and straight on till morning. And that's how you get to Neverland uh, in the Peter mm -hmm. Pan story. Uh, and that's the that's where, that's Neverland is ah. where, you know, the place where you don't grow up, right? Like where you're the lost boys and you stay ah. uh, you know, for a childlike forever. And I think there's a, a, a twinkle in Shatner's eye as he says it, you know, a little, a little smile, you know, a little wink. Uh, and I think the signatures are, again, just a subtle, beautiful way to end off the movie with these, the characters that have now you've sort of loved for 30 years or 25 years or what have you. It was the 25th anniversary of the show with these sort of silver signatures to, to sign off the movie. I thought, again, uh, really kind of beautiful. And I think if you know the series, it, it's, it's even better. Uh, but if you don't, I think it's still a cute and sweet and uh, a beautiful kind of way uh, to end it. Last question for you, Phil. Movies through two through four. You got Ricardo Montalban. You have Christopher Lloyd. You have a giant burnt sausage in space. And Christopher Christopher Plummer. Those are your four villains in the two to two to six. I skipped five yeah. for good reasons. Of course. You have a favorite? Uh, you know, I think I think it's, it's still Con. I think it's still yeah. Con. Uh, uh, there's a swagger to Con. There's a there's a a, a story yeah. built into that that I think uh, overpowers. But Chang is a very close second to me. Yeah, performance. I'd say they're pretty on par for performance, but with the backstory with Con for being in the original series, I think you're right. I think it just gives it a slight edge with that backstory. And I so think again, as a person that I've never watched the back the the other series, like the old series, uh, I don't know anything about Con. I think he delivers enough in that role in that in that movie to give you. Like, you know, yeah. to a guy that never saw the show, I think it still delivers. And I think that's impressive. Excellent. All right. Good stuff. So I'm glad you sound like you enjoyed the film. And uh, um, uh, is it your favorite Star Trek film or was it Wrath of Khan? Uh, you know, again, it just uh, I think, you know, as my sensibilities change, you know, Star Trek 2 has got a real action movie kind of vibe to it. There's an intensity mm -hmm. and a sort of propulsive kind of story. Uh, uh, and that I, that, that gravitates and is filled with some great lines. I think this is probably a better movie, though. Mm -hmm. It's a little uh, bit faster so, paced, not as long, less, less lulls. Yeah. So I think yeah. in that regard, it's probably, yeah, I would put it probably my favorite. Wonderful. All right. I'm looking forward to seeing the box set on your shelf. Uh, what, what do you got for us uh, next week? Are, you, we, uh, are we heading back to Earth? We are back to Earth. I made a, a reference to it earlier. Uh, I think, you know, I was thinking the other day, I want, we have not yet done a movie from the 80s. Ooh, wow. And I was thinking back to the summer of 89 and were great movies like Batman and uh, Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. Mm -hmm. uh, 
came out, Lethal Weapon 2, I believe. Uh, and Ooh. I thought, we're going to watch UHF. Uh, UHF starring Weird Al Yankovic, <laughs> the uh, highlight of 1989 comedies, uh, with a Seinfeld star to begin with. So Excellent. I haven't seen that since we actually watched it in, t- in public school. So I'm looking forward Fantastic. to it. There we go. <laughs> Fantastic. Right. UHF next week. Off the shelf. All right.